The Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Sloss Sports Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. Happy Friday, official start of the weekend here um, on Friday night. Back at our normal 10 o'clock hour uh, for the Slaw Sports Show. Last week, we took a little bit of a break. Um, Not much really to talk about um, with the NFL currently in their little pause before training camp. Um, And just, I didn't really have much to talk about um, with the NBA but uh, mainly because I wanted to bring it in for today's episode and really have a slam-packed episode for you guys. So that's what we have um, on deck for today. So we're we'll talking, of course, about the UFC fight night tomorrow night. Uh, give our picks. We missed Korean Zombie fight um, last weekend where Korean Zombie ended up getting the win. Uh, so missed an opportunity there uh, to go back up and continue up in the win column for our Slaw's main card pick of the weeks. Uh, but remember... Since it's been uh, two weeks since our last pick, uh, we are 12-7. and seven. Uh, We picked Israel Adesanya two weeks ago um, in that fight and got the win. Um, Izzy got another win under his belt, uh, which means we got another win under our belt um, for our main card pick of the week. So I'm excited about that, um, You know, getting back into the win column. For those who have been following along at home, uh, we are down two straight fights. Um, that we lost in our picks of the week, but we're back in the win column thanks to Israel Adesanya two weeks ago. So we got a fight uh, coming up tomorrow, of course, um, and then upcoming in the next few weeks, we got Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier three, which is you know the the main event, you know triple um, third time around uh, for those three, you know McGregor Poirier three uh, tied one to one. So this one's for all the marbles. Um, coming up in the next few weeks, so that's one. You know, that's going to be a special fight um, that we'll be pick, that we'll be picking. Excuse me, here on the Saw Sports Show. Uh, but for tomorrow night, we have a heavyweight bout uh, that we'll get into, of course, um, later in the episode. Actually, here soon. But I just want to break down uh, the rest of the episode of what we got on deck for today. If you missed our scheduled tweet earlier, earlier today. Uh, We're going to be stopping, of course, like I said, in the UFC for the fight night tomorrow night. Um, And then we'll be uh, moving over to the NBA. We're in the conference finals right now, Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We got the Bucks and the Hawks in the East battling it out right now as we speak. So, of course, we'll be giving some live updates to that game. As you all know, resident Bucks fan um, here on the Saw Sports Show. And then the Western Conference, we got the Phoenix Suns and the LA Clippers battling it out. Uh, both teams, actually, I think all four teams, it's been years and forever since any of these four teams have made it to the finals. Um, so this is really exciting for basketball. I know there's all the talk about the ratings being down and how it's not ideal to have these four teams because they're not the big markets. I don't care. It's four exciting teams in their, all their own right, battling it out here um, at the end. Not really any superstars left. Uh, I mean, Trey Young's been going off against every team so far throughout the playoffs including my bucks uh two days ago in game one and then i mean you got Giannis and chris middleton with the bucks um for the suns you got chris paul 
and Devin Booker, and then Kawhi and Paul George uh, for the Clippers. But, you know, no Kevin Durant, no Steph Curry, no LeBron James. It's refreshing to see um, for the league, and it's really exciting. Um, a really exciting time, I think, right now in basketball. So we're going to check in um, on those two series going on currently. Um, the Suns and Clippers are approaching game four in their series. It's a 2-1 lead right now um, with the Phoenix Suns. And yesterday, last night, the Clippers avoided the sweep watch um, and you know avoided going down 3-0 in the series. But we'll talk about that uh, when we get to it. And then finally, last but not least, we're going to wrap things up in the NFL. We got some big storylines to hit on um, that came out this week. Some big news uh, for football, in my opinion, that I'm really excited about that came out this week. Uh, two big headlines in terms of uh, player situations and signings and cuts uh, that we'll talk about. And then ultimately, what I really want to get into is talk a little bit about um, some extensions. I mentioned that right now we're in that kind of dead NFL period where we're leading up to training camp. All the players and teams are on breaks right now, so not much has been going on. But traditionally and historically, this time frame right now between the end of minicamp and the start of training camp is prime time for contract extensions to get done. And every summer, this is you know the few weeks that we're in right now is when we see extensions start to get done, especially, I think, leading up to next week is when some of these extensions might start to fall. So we're going to talk a little bit about some extensions, three big quarterbacks um, entering into their final years, some of them with fifth-year options. Uh, to talk about Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield. All quarterbacks from that 2018 uh, draft class, I believe it was, all due for contract extensions and all in negotiations right now with their respective teams. So we'll talk about a little bit about what's going to happen with those three quarterbacks and some other players that are in line for big contracts in the next few weeks. Uh, what are those contracts going to look like? What's the current, you know, negotiation standpoint? Who's got the advantage on these, uh, you know, in, in these talks right now, um, and that kind of thing. And that's pretty much where we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, but also looking forward to the rest of the week. Um, we will have we will have another episode um, come out, not a live episode, but like I did uh, with the top five quarterbacks under pressure episode, where I just released, you know, a quick thirty minute episode on a Wednesday. We're going to bring that back again this week as well um, and have a new top five things um, that we're going to talk about in the NFL and, like I said, release that on Wednesday. So some things to look forward to. And, again, I apologize for missing the episode last week, uh, but I'll try to do better and stay on top of it and keep things going every Friday for you guys. And as we approach the fall, uh, some things are going to be switched up with the Slaw Sports Show. We might be moving to a different day again. Um, when we go back onto the radio on WSOE 89.3 Elon Burlington, uh, when we get back on the radio, some times and dates might switch up on our schedule. Um, but in the long, in the long run, I think it's ultimately going to help our show grow even more. You know, maybe end up having the show on a Monday or a Wednesday um, instead of on a Friday. Uh, might be able to help me out a lot more personally um, with my upcoming schedule. That's all the talk we have just for our intro. Um, to today's episodes, so let's go ahead and get into what I actually want to talk about. Let's go ahead and start off with our UFC Slaws main card pick'em of the week. And like I said, we have a heavyweight bout on deck um, for tomorrow's main event in the UFC Fight Night. 
And we got Cyril Gane against Alexander Volkov. And just my favorite fights are always the heavyweights. You guys know that. I love me some heavyweights. My favorite fighter in the UFC, uh, Derek Lewis, in the heavyweight. Um, up there in the top three, top five is obviously Francis Ngannou, who is the current title holder um, in the heavyweight division. I love me some heavyweight fights. Get the big guys in there slugging some punches around. Um, I eat that stuff up. Um, so we got another heavyweight bout. This one with some implications on it between Gan and Volkov. Um, potentially looking towards a title shot or title opportunity um, in the future based on this fight. So huge stipulations in this fight. But I think the ultimately big storyline of this fight is going to be experience. Experience, experience, experience. And I'm not talking just UFC experience. I'm not talking, you know, career experience. I'm even talking experience against top 10 fighters. How many times have you fought or a certain fighter has fought in the top 10 of their division against the top opponents and how they've fared? And also the other things, their career, their longevity, uh, where they're currently at in their career. All of that, I think, is the headline of this fight tomorrow night between Cyril Gane and Alexander Volkov. So for those who always check in every week and know how this goes already, we're going to break down both fighters, give the tail of the tapes on both sides, and talk about their fighting styles, last five fights, um, you know, significant stats to keep in mind before um, the fight tomorrow night, ultimately leading up to giving our pick of who we think will win uh, the main event um, for this UFC card tomorrow night. So let's get started with Cyril Gane. And I said experience, experience, experience is the key storyline tomorrow night in this fight. Cyril Gane in his career is 8-0. Perfect in his career, undefeated record. But the thing is, he's only fought eight times. And of course, not all eight of those fights have been in the UFC. But the thing is, when he's been or since he's been in the UFC, he's fought some top upper echelon fighters, including his last fight um, against... Uh, Jarzinko, um, excuse me, Rosenstrike, um, in that fight against Rosenstrike is his last fight, and it was a win. He's coming off a decision win against Rosenstrike back in February. Uh, we talked about it on the Slaw Sports Show. Um, I have to go back and check that one out. We may have gone, uh, may have went with Rosenstrike um, in that fight, but I have to go back and check that one out. Um, but Cyril Gane won it by decision. That was his first main event on a UFC card in his career. And, you know, the way the fight went, um, just, you know, Cyril Gane went after Rosenstrike early in that fight. And once he realized he had the lead, he played it safe, kept his points, occasionally throw some, you know, throw some more shots in there as the fight went along. But really that lead he built up in the first few rounds just pretty much won the fight um, for Cyril Gane. He was able to just play it slow the rest of the way and then ultimately came out and won it by decision. But for a guy who's rising up in the ranks in the heavyweight division, like Cyril Gane is, fans were disappointed. Fans wanted to see a finish against Rosenstrike to put him up the you know up multiple rungs in the heavyweight leaderboard right now. And he ended up getting the decision win. He had you know expressed criticism from Dana White himself, uh, commissioner of the UFC, and all in all. Just it wasn't the fight that we wanted to see from Cyril Gane. But for Cyril Gane, he did exactly what he wanted to do. He got the win against a top 10 opponent and made a statement. It wasn't a huge statement like everyone wanted to, but nevertheless, he made a statement in that fight, getting that win against a top 10 opponent, really pushing that 
experience that he's been building on his resume against top 10 fighters in his career. But on the flip side, you look at Alexander Volkov, he is 33 and 8 in his career. That is, you know what, quick math here, 41 fights I believe in his career and he is 7 and 2 in the UFC. So he has 9 fights in the UFC, 41 fights total. For Alexander Volkov, he has 25 finishes. 22 of those finishes are by knockout. So you want to talk about experience. Alexander Volkov has experience. He has experience as a fighter. He's fought multiple fights, fought multiple times in the UFC, been there and done that in his career. And right now, he's on a roll and he's experienced as a fighter. And now is his time. To rise up and go on a run here in the heavyweight division, in terms of you know, in terms of his career and where it's looking to shape up in the next couple of years, this might be the best chance that Alexander Volkov has to go on a run here in the heavyweight division and have his chance to go on a title run. This is his shot to do so. So, experience. On one side, you got a fighter with 41 fights under his belt, nine in the UFC. On the other side, you got Cyril Gaon who's got the top 10 experience against top 10 fighters and has proven he can do it against top 10 guys. So really, how do you, you know, you can't really break down this. I mean, it's difficult to break down this fight um, because they're two very different fighters. Um, Even not just experience and not just, you know, where they're at in their career, but also the fact of how they fight. Two very different fighters, uh, which I love picking. Uh, I don't, really like the uh, stand-up um, you know obviously I, I've talked about it before I like the stand-up put them on the ground and you know put them on the ground as in like knockouts knockdowns that kind of thing um, but still I wouldn't mind a couple of uh, you know leeway type of fighting styles where one guy's so far to one side and one guy's so far to the other side you know the inverse of this will be Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou if those two fought, they are so similar, both striking guys, both heavy hitters looking for a knockout, similar fighters. But for Cyril Gaon and Alexander Volkov, they're two very different fighters. Um, you look at Cyril Gaon, he's a guy who fights smart. Look at the entire fight against Rosenstrike. He went into that fight with a plan and executed that plan. He didn't care about anything else, what anyone else said. He went in with his plan and executed that plan. The other thing with Cyril Gaon is he has the ability to control the fight. Just like that Rosenstrike fight. He controlled the fight once he knew he had it won. And he can control it to the point where he gets the points. He wins the rounds against you. And he knows when he's doing so. Uh, so mentally, he's an, a- he's an animal. He's an athlete. He mentally is strong enough to be a guy that can win a title. And what he does physically, he's a guy that can go in and out. Uh, he can you know work inside... Um, create the, you know, minimize, um, excuse me, the separation and not really, you know, make himself too distant, but he can go in and out, literally speaking. He can go in and, you know, grapple. He can put, he can get takedowns. He can do stuff on the ground. He's a great wrestler, but he can also know when to take a step back. The in and out game, physically a serial gone, matched with the physical game that he has under his belt and, uh, this is a guy where really when you just look at how he can fight and 
when you look at you know other experts when they talk about serial gun look at rashad evans former ufc champ he had this to say about serial gun he's the guy who fights like a small guy for a big guy and that's literally how he fights he's not a traditional you know heavyweight that's a big stand-up you know heavy hitter like Nganu, uh like stipe like um Derek lewis a knockdown guy serial gun is not that guy he fights like a small guy keeps his distance when he needs to comes in close when he needs to and is quick on his feet and is smart 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 but on the flip side you look at alexander volkov he's the guy that uses his size to his advantage he is your traditional heavyweight he is your striker and he is you know the guys like i'm talking about Derek lewis and ganu he's that style of fighter as a heavyweight you know contender in the ufc knows how to use his size to his advantage knows how to come in close and you know really work with the uppercuts and the hooks but also knows how to take a step back and strike land those huge punches land those jabs to the face um those you know significant strikes is what gets him the knockdowns what gets him 22 knockouts in his career that's not something you see from Cyril Gaon. So two very different fighters in this fight tomorrow night in this heavyweight bout. And, um, you know, I pretty much broke everything down. But also keep in mind some of these significant stats for each fighter tomorrow night um, in terms of how this fight might go down um, tomorrow. So for Cyril Gaon, he has a 69.9% significant strike evaded percentage. So he, he evades significant strikes, 69.9, you know, 70% of significant strikes opponents, you know, try to hit him with. He successfully evades them. That is the best in the heavyweight division. And he also absorbs 1.85 strikes per minute. That's not that great. Uh, third lowest. So two things to keep in mind. He evades, but also absorbs. Um... So, when he's against a striker, like I'm talking about in Alexander Volkov, two key stats to keep in mind. When is he going to evade significant strikes, and when is he going to try to absorb significant strikes? Because he doesn't absorb often. Uh, based on this stat, 1.85 significant strikes absorbed per minute. He doesn't take that many shots, and he evades them successfully time and time again. And that's why he wins these fights by decision multiple times he evades significant strikes and knows when to land his again he is a smart fighter in this division and don't take that lightly that is a huge advantage that he has going into this fight against a striker like alexander volkov is but now let's look at some stats uh for volkov in this fight for volkov 58.7 percent of his significant strikes he throws lands first in the heavyweight division, in that category, he's a striker. He lands his punches. And like I said, this is so far on the spectrum of this fight. Cyril Gan's going to be trying to evade and not absorb significant strikes. But Volkov is just so good at landing them. This is why this fight's so fascinating to me. Um, but second, insignificant strikes landed in the heavyweight division, you ask? It's Cyril Gaon as well. 53.3% of Cyril Gaon's significant strikes also land. So it's really 
ultimately going to come down to is Volkov going to land his significant strikes? Because we know Cyril Ghosn is. We know Cyril Ghosn is going to do whatever it takes to evade and not absorb significant strikes, especially against a striker like Volkov. But Volkov's going to look to get those punches in and look to get those uh, significant strikes in in this fight tomorrow night. And also, while we're at it, let's look at uh, Volkov. While we're talking about him, a uh, quick thing I forgot to mention as well. In his last five fights, he has won three of his last five with his only losses coming to Curtis Blades by decision in June 2020. So last summer, lost to Curtis Blades by decision. And Derek Lewis, where he got knocked out in the third round on October of 2018. So he has won three of his last five fights. But of course, Cyril gone. Perfect undefeated record in his entire career. It's a great fight. Very intriguing fight. Uh, but let's go ahead and the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's get to my pick of, uh, pick of the week. Who am I going to take in this fight between Cyril Gon and Alexander Volkov? Because at the end of the day, like I said, this fight's going to come down to between whether or not Volkov will land his punches. So when I look at this fight, um, and you know, I just broke everything down here for you. My pick of the week is going to be Cyril Gon tomorrow night. Any way he does it, but I think it's likely going to end up being a decision. I think Cyril Gon's just too smart. He's too savvy. He's going to be in and out um, and ultimately move faster than Alexander Volkov. He's going to come in, land his significant strikes like he knows how to, and get back out before Volkov even knows what to do. Before you can even throw one of his powerful significant strikes, boom, Cyril Gon's going to be right back out. And he's smart enough to use... Um, Use the ring to his advantage. Use the octagon, um, you know, fence, excuse me, and the octagon to his advantage. And really, the difference maker here is that Cyril Gaon is the better wrestler. So if it gets to that point in the fight, Gaon has the advantage. Too many advantages, I think, for Cyril Gaon. But Volkov does have the potential to land a shot and put him down tomorrow night. So keep that in mind. But for me, I think Cyril Gaon's too smart. And too complete as a fighter to lose this one against Alexander Volkov. So Slaw's main card pick him of the week. Give me Cyril Gunn any way he does it against Alexander Volkov. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll be switching over to the NBA. Checking in on the Bucks hawks series live right now. Do a live check-in of my favorite team right now in the NBA. Battling it out for a chance to go to the finals against the Atlanta Hawks. It's game two uh, right now in Milwaukee. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, like I said, catch in on that game and also talk about the Suns-Clips matchup as well. Uh, so sit tight here on the Saw Sports Show. All right, so welcome back to the Saw Sports Show. Just took a little bit of a quick break there, but we're back. Like I said, we're now going to switch and segue into the NBA. Right now, game two currently underway in the Eastern Conference Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. Let's look inside here. Start of the fourth quarter right now. The Milwaukee Bucks are up 103-63, to a 40-point lead going into the fourth quarter right now for Milwaukee. This is what I'm talking about. Shout-out to Josh Norris. Um, excuse me, not Josh Norris. Um, Josh Graham. Shout out to Josh Norris as well. Love Josh Norris, but shout out to Josh Graham. Um, if you don't know, 
I am currently interning with WSJS Sports and Winston-Salem uh, Sports Radio. And our afternoon drive guy, Josh Graham, he called it from the get-go. Uh, he had the Bucks tonight, and he says Bucks in five, despite what happened two nights ago in Milwaukee's loss um, in game one. So shout out to you, Josh. You broke your uh, broke your curse right now and broke your jinx streak you had going on by the looks of it and going into the fourth quarter. A 40-point lead for my Milwaukee Bucks. So let's go ahead and pull up uh, the stats of the game so far through three quarters. Looks like Giannis Antetokounmpo is leading the way for the Bucks um, with 25 points. Drew Holiday second with 22. Brooke Lopez 16. And Chris Middleton with 15 points right now going into the fourth quarter. And then for the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young has 15 points right now. He's 6 for 16 and 1 for 8 from the three-point line. So the Bucks are limiting Trey Young, which is my question coming into the show today when I went um, got around to the series against the Bucks and the Hawks. How were the Bucks going to limit Trey Young? Looks like they're doing it tonight um, in this matchup. Uh, but also, John Collins has 11 points, and off the bench, Danilo Gallinari has 12 points, second most on the team behind Trey Young. So go Bucks, keep it going here. Get the antlers up. Uh, go Bucks up right now. Huge going into the fourth quarter. So let's talk about this series as a whole and flashback two nights ago to game one. Uh, so in game one, the Bucks really had no answer for Trey Young um, in that game. Trey Young went off for 48.7 rebounds and 11 assists, but the Bucks still only lost by three points. Um, so obviously tonight they've turned things around, got it back, Squared away in this series, um, looking like one to one um, if they hold on to this lead throughout the fourth quarter um, till the end of the game. But I think the problem wasn't the fact they couldn't contain Trey Young on um, Wednesday night, two nights ago. I think the problem was Chris Middleton. I think Chris Middleton was the problem for the Bucks on Wednesday in Game One, and the reason why they lost Game One of this series against the Atlanta um, Atlanta Hawks because Chris Middleton shot 6 of 23 from the field and was 0 for 9 from the three-point line in game one against the Hawks. Tonight doing a much better job um, getting some points um, so far through four quarters. Like I said, 15 points. He's 6 for 13, 2 for 7 from three. So still not great, but he's definitely cleaned it up. And it looks like the big thing tonight is the fact that they just contained Trey Young. Um, that might be the storyline that comes out of this game. Haven't you know watched it too much? Um, you know, obviously preparing for the show and now on the show. Uh, but it looks like um, when I go back and watch this game too, I think that's the storyline that ends up coming out of this. The fact they were able to contain uh, Trey Young in this one, but still the question for the rest of the series. Um, you know, game three on Sunday, game four coming up on Tuesday of next week. The question of the series will be. Can the Bucks clean it up, which they have done so today, and limit Trey Young, which again, they did today, and can they make the jumpers? And again, I haven't watched the uh, game today and seen how you know well they've done offensively, um, and you know if they're making the jumpers or not. Um, we'll have to go back and check it out um, later on, probably tomorrow, maybe tonight. Um, but the Bucks, for the rest of the series, can they keep it up, clean it up like they're doing tonight? 
Can they continue to limit Trey Young's scoring? And ultimately, can they make the jumpers? That's also what hurt them in game one. Like I talked about with Chris Middleton's stat line, it was the rest of the team. Really, the team could not work in the post and make the jumpers, and Clint Capella was really shutting them down on defense in game one. Again, we got to check things back out to see how it's looking today. Um, but all in all, I'm happy with the outcome today so far. Of course, I am as a Bucks fan. Um, but they're playing a great game by the looks of it. Um, so that's great to see for Milwaukee. Like I said, upcoming game three on Sunday, game four on Tuesday. Another question I have right now, and this pertains to the entire NBA, and I hope to get some feedback on this um, from those of y'all who are listening or check it out on the podcast. Also, the podcast, The Slaw Sports Show, can be found on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere you get a podcast, just search up The Slaw Sports Show. Check out some of their episodes or anything that you missed from today's episode. We'll have it up there uh, by tomorrow um, afternoon. But my question for the entire NBA right now, is Trey Young the new villain of the National Basketball Association? And that's an honest question. You know, we've there's time and time again we've had great NBA villains. You know, Dennis Rodman was a villain. During the last 10 years, the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant, they were the villains. Is Trey Young the new villain? Of the NBA. I mean, if you ask New York Knicks fans, Trey Young is definitely a villain. They hated him. You know, they were chanting F Trey Young at every home game in that series. Ask 76ers fans, is Trey Young the new villain of the NBA? I'm sure the 76ers fans will say the exact same thing. And we'll see what happens in this Bucks series um, as it continues to go along. But a question, and I'm actually going to make this into a poll potentially tomorrow on Twitter to see what everyone has to say. But is Trey Young the NBA's new villain? Like, will this continue throughout the next four to five years, you know, continuing to get into the playoffs year after year, maybe get to a couple finals within the next four to five years? Is Trey Young on the trajectory to become the next big villain in the NBA? That's just an overarching question throughout the entire playoffs I wrote down since we haven't really got around to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, but nevertheless, Trey Young right now, looks like the Bucks have found an answer for him and are doing handily right now. So again, shout out to Josh Graham uh, back in Winston if you are uh, end up tuning in to the episode. We're back on track. Uh, you fix your drinks and hopefully we stand by this Bucks and Five proclamation that you gave on your show and also check out the drive with Josh Graham um, and the best of the drive with Josh Graham, which is our podcast as well. Um, you can find that on Spotify, Apple pod. Uh, I think Apple podcasts. I know anchor um, as well to search up the drive with Josh Graham, another great show and sports show to check out, but that's it in the Eastern conference finals right now, bucks Hawks right now in game two bucks leading the way. How about on the other side of the NBA uh, conference, you know, finals right now in the Western Conference? Suns Clippers right now, as I talked about in the intro, the Phoenix Suns are up two to one right now on the Clippers. Game four tomorrow night, game five on Monday. And the Suns, it looked like they were running away with it. 
in game one and two, and it looked like it was going to be a sweep. It looked like it was going to be another sweep for the Phoenix Suns, and I know Gray Oss is watching. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns. Um, they're doing great, and I hope to see them make um, a finals run this year. It'd be great for the Milwaukee Bucks if we come out on top, but I would love to have that matchup. Um, just go toe-to-toe uh, with our two teams in the finals. Um, if you're still in the chat, um, I'd like to see what you have to say about that one. But it looked like, like I said, another sweep watch for the LA Clippers. And, I mean, for the Clippers, they've already been in this situation this year in the playoffs where they potentially almost got into a sweep watch. And it happened again against the Phoenix Suns. They went down 0-2, but last night, the Clippers avoided it with a 106-92 win against the Phoenix Suns. And Chris Paul's return game from the COVID fiasco um, induced uh, situation there. Devin Booker, in Game 2, suffered a nose injury, came out support... Uh, came out sporting the mask yesterday and said that uh, was asked before the game if the mask will affect um, his sight or you know how he plays. He said, all I need to do is see the ball and see the basket. Well, Devin Booker, you might need to see a lot more than that because he shot 5 for 21 from the field and 1 for 7 from 3. So I might want to make these eye holes on the mask a little bit bigger for Game 4 tomorrow night. Um, and that one, Chris Paul, the point guard, still came in, had, I think, two turnovers and 12 assists. Chris Paul is just electric, and I hope for him he makes it to a finals. Um, and North Carolina native, um, big Wake Forest, you know, was a Wake Forest deacon in, in college. And it's one of the top um, guys here in the state. So I hope Chris Paul gets his chance here to not only beat his former team in the Western Conference Finals and the Clippers, also make it to his first finals appearance in his uh, luxurious career that he's had and also game two had a great finish in that one uh, with Paul George missing two free throws ball don't lie in that game only to turn around and us see a great finish with the alley oop uh, excuse me valley oop from Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton to win it um, Jay Crowder with uh, you know put the ball in play um, from the side of the court and tossed it up to DeAndre Ayton, who slammed it down to win it um, in Game 2. But like I said, the Clips came back in Game 3 and got into the win column in, in this series. Still think the Suns will come out on top in this one. Uh, really hoping for this Bucks suns finale um, in the finals. Uh, but ultimately, the question I have for this one, can the Clippers continue to survive? without their star player in Kawhi Leonard. Still no reports of when Kawhi will be back. Um, I've looked at something that even said it could be potentially an ACL uh, situation with his knee injury right now, so we don't know if we'll see Kawhi Leonard back with the Clippers. But can the Clippers continue to survive without their star player? A lot of pressure is on the shoulders right now of playoff P and Paul um, Paul George, and if he can continue to put up two... Uh, put up, uh, continue to put up great games. He put up a great one last night. Um, against the Suns, and so far has been pretty productive through this series. See if Paul George can put all the pressure on his shoulders and lead the team back, um, who is currently down, like I said, one game in this series. So that's pretty much all I have out of the NBA. Um, really just want to check in here, give some headlines of these two series, questions I have for these two series, and ultimately give a live look in. We'll check it up. Uh, check up with it again here 
with the Bucks and see what's currently happening. Looks like Bucks up 114 to 73 with 6:27 to go. This one might be end up being a runaway for the Bucks. Uh, huge win in Game Two if they continue to hold on to it. We're gonna take another quick break and we come back out on the other side. A check-in with the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and the semifinals right now as well. A huge game currently going on right now. A game seven. We'll give an update for before we get over to the NFL. We're gonna take a quick break and you're watching the Saw Sports Show. All right, so welcome back to the Saw Sports Show. And as I promised, we'll do a check-in in the NHL. And we actually have a winner in the series. The Tampa Bay Lightning have defeated the New York Islanders by a score of 1-0 to zero to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals for the second year in a row. The Tampa Bay Lightning are back in the Stanley Cup Finals. Shout out to Deacon Skinner, um, good friend of mine. Your team did it. I told you if they win, I'll give you a shout out on air. Um, so shout out to you back in the Stanley Cup Finals. And they will be taking on uh, the Montreal Canadiens who won last night against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So we got a Canadian Montreal team against an American team in Tampa Bay. And ultimately, I thought it would have been great to see a Islanders versus Canadiens um, Stanley Cup Final Series, but instead Tampa Bay takes them down. Uh, I, know, I know Deacon, you wouldn't want to hear that, uh, but shout out to you um, with the Tampa Bay Lightning getting the win tonight against the Islanders, and they'll move on in advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. So now the finals are set up, like I said, between these two teams, and we'll see who comes out on top to hoist the Stanley Cup um, in this series to end the NHL season. Um, not that big of a hockey guy, as you guys all know, uh, but great to check in every once in a while, especially when I get to give a shout-out um, to one of my friends. And also, uh, Max Kreider in the chat. There you go. Ha uh, you said we want the cup in all caps. I'll give you some, t uh, some talk of what I know, uh, which is not a lot um, about hockey and the Stanley Cup in the NHL. But Max and everyone else who's NHL fans, don't worry. I'm going to get into it soon. I'm officially declaring myself a Seattle Kraken fan um, when they start out next season. I will be following, will be checking up and following them and might start getting into some hockey. Uh, so we'll see what happens um, on that horizon as we go forward. But for now, it's the Saw Sports Show. Let's get right to the NFL action and talk about some headlines, talk about some uh, signings, Cuts and ultimately potential extensions that we will see in the next coming weeks. But first and foremost, secondary helmets are back in the NFL. Why was this a rule? Why did this take so long to fix? And why can't we have it this year? That's all the questions I have. This is great. I love it. Bring back the helmets. Bring back the throwbacks. Bring back fun in the no fun league i'm happy about this uh rule change coming back for the nfl i'm excited secondary helmets are back throwbacks have more potential to come back um all in all great for football absolutely electric to have secondary helmets back hopefully the packers bring back our brown helmets that is what i will love 
as a Packers fan. Bring back the brown helmets. That's what I want to see. But we do have some great potential helmets and uniforms uh, coming up, especially, like I said, throwback uniforms. This applies also to color rush uniforms, which the NFL tried to debut with their Thursday night football games that didn't really work out. I mean, the Packers had all white uniforms. Need I say more about the color rush uniforms? But some teams have great color rush uniforms. And, you know, like we'll show, um, I'll bring some, you know, pictures in off of Twitter to show what this means for football and what we should be expecting uh, starting in 2022 with secondary helmets now officially allowed back in the NFL. Um, but also, it's just great. Um, the What I would have to say, what I'm most excited to see back is the red Buffalo Bill helmets. Those are probably my favorite helmets, um, that my favorite secondary helmets in the NFL, and excited to see those ones come back. But we're going to pull some pictures up uh, from Twitter, mainly uh, from my sports update and through their comment section. Uh, but we'll pull these up here and break down some of these potential you know, uniforms that we could be seeing uh, come back in the NFL next season. Let's pull it up here. First one, of course, the Kelly Green Eagles uniforms. These need to come back. These are one of my favorite uniforms of all time in the NFL. I love the Kelly Green Eagles uniforms. Bring them back. Wings and all on the helmets. Um, you know, like we see here with the eagle on the shoulder patch. Bring that back. Jalen Hurts showing it off here in this edit. Um, here you see pick six uh, e-swaps. Um, give the credit there. Uh, but a great edit. Would love to see it back. Um, let's go to the next one here. Oh, the cream sickle with the winking buccaneer. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, give me Tom Brady in the creamsicle uniforms. Bring it back to Tampa Bay. These uniforms are just electric and need to come back. Beautiful right here. Um, move on here to the next one again. Oh, the great Denver Bronco throwbacks. Orange and blue. Oh, the sky, uh, you know, what is that? Royal blue. You got the D logo with the horse in the middle of it. Here we have Cortland Sutton in these uniforms. These also need to come back as well. That would just look excellent if those come back in 2022. Um, as the Broncos throwback uniforms, you can't tell me that doesn't look great. Uh, pretty much the color scheme of the New York Knicks. Uh, but back when the Broncos wore these, another great throwback uniform that needs to come back in 2022. Next up, what do we got? Oh, blue Seattle Seahawks. Not really a big fan of these ones. See DK Metcalf wearing them, but look at the helmet. Um, again, like the current ones better, but secondary helmets. Why not? Why not bring this one back as well? And like I said, with the color rush uniforms, here we have Darius Leonard with the Indianapolis Colts color rush here with a um, again, you know, dark, you know, maybe navy bluish here. Um, maybe even, again, royal blue. Not really. Art Connoisseur Cole Noble here um, with my color schemes. But, you know, bring back this blue um, with the color rush. Give them the blue helmets for the Colts. Um, would be great as well. Um, we'll go back to another one. Here we see, again, the Kelly Greens. Um, how about this one right here? The white bingle with Joe Burrow on it. Look at these helmets right here. 
This would look great with the all-white color rush um, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Would love to see this one come back as well. Um, so, yeah, this is just great. Um, great thing to have back. Again, the Kelly Greens. These things have to come back. And uh, one I want to really bring up, I'll see if I can uh, find it here. Here we go. Josh Allen with the red Bills helmet. Like I said, the my favorite secondary helmet in the NFL. If Buffalo brings these back, for a playoff run next year again not this coming year 2022 if buffalo in 2022 goes on a deep playoff run maybe even gets back to the super bowl back in these red helmets that'd just be poetry um i would love for that love to see that back um here again back here to the kelly greens just our starting point there it is best of the best it says right here um just replies on my sports update Tom Brady in the creamsicle uniforms. There it is. Bring it back. We're asking for it. Bring it back. Please. So that's just, I wanted to, you know, drool over some throwback uniforms there real quick um, on the show. Just great. Great. Why was it a rule? Why did it take this long? Let's just be happy it's back. Secondary uniforms, secondary helmets might be coming back finally, finally next year in the NFL. So let's actually get uh, to some stories and some headlines in the National Football League. We're going to keep things simple um, with my sports update, um, continuing to bring in their tweets um, into the show. Thankful for all the work they do. A phenomenal follow on Twitter. Give them a follow. Um, NFL update at my sports update. So some more news and storylines that we saw this week. Well, let's go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the Pittsburgh Steelers released longtime offensive lineman David DeCastro, who's now pondering retirement, only to turn around and sign Trey Turner, um, a guy who was with the Carolina Panthers for a long time, I believe spent last year with the Chargers in L.A., um, a guy who, interesting enough, has still been a free agent thus far, uh, looking at the offensive line class that's still yet to be signed um, as the act, you know current free agents. Um, Trey Turner was on the top of the list of offensive linemen, uh, but he immediately got signed same day yesterday that David DeCastro got released. But this is the big thing that we'll bring in here from the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have lost four starting offensive linemen this offseason. Bart Pouncey retired. David DeCastro got cut yesterday. Alejandro Villanueva, he left in free agency. And Matt Filer also left in free agency. Those are four starting offensive linemen from the Steelers team last year. And a huge reason why. Also in part, a big band returning for another year. But this starting offensive line group is going to be completely different. They're missing four of their starting five offensive linemen from last year going into this season. They only drafted one in the entire draft. That is a huge part of the reason why I had the Steelers finishing third in the AFC North next year. Um, when me and Matt Laguza broke down um, divisional rankings a couple weeks back on the show, go back and check that one out as well to see where we had every team finishing and who we had going to the playoffs. But this right here is a huge reason why I think the Steelers are not going to be as good as they were last year. Nowhere close. Not even going to make the playoffs, in my opinion, next year. 
you know, last year we all know started out 11 and 0. Um, I think end up, yeah, end up winning the AFC North. Ultimately, to lose first round in embarrassing fashion to the Cleveland Browns this year, it might be even worse for the Pittsburgh Steelers with what we see here. Thankfully, they got Juju Smith-Schuster back just because of the fact that he's going to just sign next year in a larger, more money-driven wide receiver market um, when the salary cap goes back up. Smart move by Juju Smith-Schuster. Steelers fans are building up Juju, talking about his loyalty. Don't give me that crap. Juju re-signed because it's a better market next year. He will be gone. James Conner's gone. A lot of key players in their defense is gone. And... Four of their five offensive linemen are gone as well. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's all I got to say. David DeCastro, we'll see what happens with him. He's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. I wouldn't be shocked if he announced his retirement. Um, but also would not be shocked if he went to go sign somewhere else as well. Uh, but I think he will end up retiring um, at some point here soon with the next couple of weeks, maybe even next week, make the official decision. But another huge signing that came out today, and again, Mike's uh, my NFL update, the Jets have signed um, offensive tackle Morgan Moses. Joe Douglas building up the big offensive line, beefing up the line of the New York Jets around new quarterback Zach Wilson. So you ask, what has Joe Douglas done this offseason to revamp the New York Jets? Take a look. They've hired Rob Sala as their head coach. They drafted Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Elijah Moore with their first three picks in the NFL draft and in free agency had a frenzy that continues today of signings in the offseason. Corey Davis at wide receiver, Carl Lawson at defensive end, Keelan Cole at wide receiver, Morgan Moses, who we just talked about at offensive tackle. On defense, you got Sheldon Rankins, Jared Davis at linebacker. LaMarcus Joyner at safety, Justin Hardy at defensive back, and not to mention also running back Tevin Coleman is also back with Robert Sala, um, two San Francisco 49ers rejoining in New York. I'll talk about it later on this week. Stay tuned. But the Jets are starting to turn things around. This is going to be a much different and much improved team from what we saw last year. And... Here soon, we will not be climbing the New York Jets anymore. They're building it right, and Joe Douglas is doing the right thing in New York right now. And it's great to see for the New York Jets. So that's the headlines we have this week. Now let's get in to what I wanted to mainly talk about in the last seven minutes of the show. But NFL extension watch. Contract extensions. We are pretty much in basically what is the equivalent of Shark Week. When you talk about training uh, training camp coming up and you talk about contract extensions. So what are some contract extensions that we should be seeing within the next week to few weeks as we approach training camp? Well, I talked about in the intro, three big ones. Three quarterbacks from the 2018 NFL Draft are in due for extensions with their respective teams. Lamar Jackson, the huge big name, NFL MVP, um, with the Baltimore Ravens, you know, former MVP. Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills has made multiple uh, runs now in the playoffs. Last year, an AFC Championship game um, loss to the Kansas City Chiefs were one game away from a Super Bowl 
with Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield bringing the Cleveland Browns back to the playoffs last year. And in and, and my case, in my opinion, we'll do it again this year and we'll be looking for a division win this year uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So talk about these three quarterbacks and then talk about three other players and a couple other ones that we might be able to throw in here. Let's start off, of course, with Lamar Jackson. Like I said, a league MVP. We all know what Lamar Jackson can do on the field. But that's where it gets interesting. The dual threat ability and the concern, the durability concern for Lamar Jackson, if he can stay healthy with his playing style long term, I think is what's really stalling out this negotiation right now. Also, the fact that Lamar Jackson and his mom they're the ones trying to negotiate a deal. Remember, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, and his manager is his own mother trying to structure this deal. And Lamar Jackson wants to be paid 42 to $43 million a year on his second contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Has won, again, one playoff game in his career. Eric DaCosta, I'm looking at you here. You're smarter than this. I know you are. Do not give him this much money. You know he's not going to pan out more than five years, in my opinion. The durability is ultimately going to come up. We don't know what we've seen from him in terms of, you know, sustainable passing play from Lamar Jackson. Don't do this to yourself. The potential contract that everyone's talking about right now is somewhere in the range of a five-year 200 plus million dollar deal we're talking about close to the same average as Patrick Mahomes with this contract a five-year 200 million dollar deal potentially for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens a 40 million dollar year if it's $200 million. But some reports are saying it's 200 plus. Maybe $215 million for Lamar Jackson. Eric DaCosta, you're smarter than that. I hope you make the right, uh, right choice and right decision and not hurt your team going forward with this contract because this contract ultimately can make or break the future for the Baltimore Ravens and could ruin them as an organization if they get put in a cap you know, a cap hole because of Lamar Jackson. Let's turn the page now and go to Josh Allen, who, like I said, he's the perfect fit for Buffalo. Got him back to the playoffs. Got him back to the AFC Championship game last year. Looking back, uh, going forward to this year as a Super Bowl contender, potentially with the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, he's doing things the right way. He's willing to structure this deal to help the team, which he explicitly said and Brandon Bean the Bills general manager said that we're in no rush because Josh Allen's being so flexible with us Josh Allen's doing it the right way he's doing it the Tom Brady way he's going to protect the structure of the team not put them in a cap hole that will hinder them from getting free agents I love Josh Allen he will do things the right way and will be a great quarterback for the Buffalo Bills for years and years and years to come. The numbers on him currently is somewhere in the range of a five-year $180 million deal to a four-year $160 million deal. But for Josh Allen, I'm leaning more. Go ahead and give him the five. 
Given the five-year deal, he's proven it. Um, lock him in for the next half decade as your quarterback for your team. Brandon Bean, no rush, he says, um, but I think this deal ends up getting done um, on a five-year contract extension. And then Baker Mayfield, uh, the agent for Baker Mayfield quoted saying he expects this to be done this summer on a contract extension, but the team's in control. So the Cleveland Browns have already exercised their fifth-year option on the former number one overall pick, who last year took him to the playoffs. A lot of talk has always been had on Baker Mayfield in his career so far uh, through his first four years. Everyone knows I've been on his back and been his you know, biggest supporter and the Browns' biggest supporter the last four years. I hope he gets his due. Um, I hope he gets the contract this year. I think he gets the... Out of these three quarterbacks, I think Baker gets the four-year deal um, in terms of his next contract. Four-year, I would say $140 million deal. Um, you know, let's see what that would put him at. A four-year, 140 Put him right there at $35 million a year. I, I, I mean, I'd said he'd have more than Ryan Tannehill. Um, put him up there, you know, when you compare him to other quarterbacks in the National Football League and their contracts. Ryan Tannehill signed a four-year, $118 million extension with the Tennessee Titans at 29.5 annual average on his contract. So, yeah, Baker at 35 mil on a four-year. I would like that contract for the Browns. Um, I think that would put him in a situation with four years. You have time to evaluate Baker Mayfield um, and the rest of your team. So the, uh, the four quarterbacks were here top of the hour at 11 o'clock, so let's wrap things up. Some other contracts I'm excited to see get done within the next few weeks. Big ones in Indianapolis. Two big ones that might happen. Not too sure. Um, one that more likely will happen at some point before the start of the season will be Quentin Nelson. He will be probably paid as the, one of the top offensive linemen in the NFL. Will be a massive contract. That's why the Indianapolis Colts weren't big in the offseason. Big spenders despite having the money. And also Darius Leonard on defense. He might get a big linebacker contract as well um, on the defensive side. But let's go back, of course, to Cleveland because they also have two other contracts they're currently working on right now. Nick Chubb, um, their franchise running back, he's entering the final year of his contract and stated that he wants to stay in Cleveland. And Kareem Hunt, a uh, fellow backfield mate, said, pay that man. Pay Nick Chubb what he's due as well. A guy who's rushed for almost 1,500 yards two years ago and over 1,000 last year despite missing four games during the regular season. Nick Chubb, he's the embodiment of the Browns. Um, he's their heart and soul of that offense, I think, in my opinion. So I think he will get his due um, at some point soon as well. And on defense with the Browns, Denzel Ward. He's got one more year in his contract plus the fifth-year option, a 2019 draft pick. But the Browns and Ward's agent are in talks. While that one will likely not nowhere be not be anywhere near a hundred million dollar deal like we saw with Jalen Ramsey, but this one expected to be more along, uh, more around Marlon Humphrey and Tre'Davious White's contract. You know, a seventeen to nineteen million dollar a year contract for Denzel Ward as well, who has proven to be a top um, cornerback and a top defender in the National Football League um, throughout his short career so far in the NFL. And finally. Keep things with our favorite team. Um, we have Aaron Rodgers back here behind us. How are things looking right now with his number one target? And maybe Jordan Love's number one target in Devontae Adams. 
Well, Devontae Adams said a contract extension. That's the plan. I'm not going anywhere. I love Devontae Adams. We also got uh, back behind us here on this side. Actually, we don't have it. We got the Aaron Rodgers uh, trading cards. Uh, but we have the Devontae Adams trading cards as well. Just not behind us on the backdrop. But Devontae Adams, probably my second favorite player on the Packers. I mean, he's the second best player. He came in at PFS, number five ranked player in the NFL last year. Um, wide receiver, one in the NFL. But the rumblings around Devontae Adams' deal are continuing to heat up with Aaron Rodgers, still not showing up with the Packers. Packers just end up saying, screw you, we're going to switch over and give Devontae all the money then if you're not going to show up. So the talks right now, potential spot track uh, reported that Devontae could end up beginning a four-year, $100 million deal, $25 million average contract for Devontae Adams. And we all know the Packers love to get uh, deals done early before training camp. They did it last year with Kenny Clark and I think David Bautiari too as well last offseason. Would not be surprised if they get a deal done um, here in the next few weeks with Devontae Adams. He's expressed he wants to stay. And the Packers will ultimately um, end up doing so. I think they wait until probably the start of training camp. And if Aaron Rodgers still isn't there, they'll throw all their marbles in the basket of Devontae Adams to keep him on the franchise for years to come. Which, Devontae Adams on a four-year deal. Right now, he's 28 years old. He'll be entering into 32 years old by the time that contract runs out. Um, if that ends up being the case on a four-year, $100 million deal. Which I think also is likely. So that's all we have on the Saul Sports Show. Thank you all for stopping by and joining in. If you missed any part of today's episode, you can go back and check it out. We'll be posting it on the podcast tomorrow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, anywhere you get a podcast to search the Saw Sports Show. That's all the time we have. UFC Fight Night tomorrow night, heavyweight bout. Saw's main card pick him of the week. Give me Cyril Gone. Anyway, he does it. Likely decision against Alexander Volkov. And one more check-in here with my Milwaukee Bucks before we wrap things up. See what the case is. The Bucks have won game two by a final score of 125-91 to 91 to even the series against the Atlanta Hawks. Go Bucks, go in Milwaukee. Bucks and five, Josh. Bucks and five. Never a doubt. Thank you for joining. And until next time, peace.